Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's Dave Destruction here again on a nice uh, Thursday night edition, as if it's ever on a different night. Um, yeah, so what's going on? That song obviously means more to me than people think. Like, anybody can choose. I, I know people that choose their theme song when they first break in, and it probably changes about 13 times before they actually settle on one. Uh, but that song has been stuck with me since day one. It's Kill Switch Engage, The End of Heartache. It's my favorite song, and it was also... The reason this whole episode is going down, uh, my best friend John, his favorite band, his favorite song, he's a big fan of those guys, um, right before uh, his passing. So tonight, obviously, that's where I'm going with all this. Um, I, I cut it down to an hour. I cannot possibly talk an hour and a half or two hours of just one thing. I, could, I probably could if I tried. And I mean, if I really did like a timetable or a timeline of events, there's so many that I can touch on. It would just be... Just just c- c- continuous blabber by me. Um, first of all, first and foremost, this is my first show on the Shining Wizards Network. I want to thank Eddie and, and Tony and all them guys, Kevin, that whole crew that decided to hit me up the other day, tell me they're going to pretty much adopt my show. Uh, I'm still broadcasting live through the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse Circuit, so now I have two forums, which means even more fans and more people can listen to my voice and Either fall in love or totally shit on it. Either way, I'm okay with it. But the Shining Wizards Network giving me an opportunity to expand my audience, which is awesome. Thank you to those guys. Uh, definitely go check out their podcast, uh, theshiningwizards.com. Not the Shining Wizards. Shiningwizards.com. Um, find uh, all their information on Facebook and all the social media stuff, along with, obviously, my crew of guys over at the Pro Wrestling Powerhouse as well. So thank you once again for this opportunity. Can't thank you enough. Um, yeah, so this week I've actually been pretty busy. I mean, I've been around and about, and I'm trying to be more active. I mean, do I not have the job search? It sucks right now. I mean, nothing's landed yet. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what happens. I got a couple leads here and there. So, uh, you know, as I get closer to being 100% physically better and physically able to work, um, I'll be in, you know, I, I'll be in somewhere. I will make some money. I have no doubt in my mind that something's going to pop up, stay positive, all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah. So training, um, Monday and Tuesday, I trained with a new co-trainer, my buddy, Sean, who you can find him on Facebook. He's always commenting on all my stuff. His name's Sean Boyne, a good friend of mine. I met him when I started bouncing at big shots and, uh, he, the guy's an ox. Okay. He's a little older than me. I think he's around 34. I think. Don't quote me on that. If I'm if I'm if I'm overshotting it, I'm sorry, um, because he's always getting nagged on for his age anyway. But this guy's a former uh, linebacker, so it's a different change of pace as far as working out. You always want to shock the muscle, shock the body, because if you keep doing the same crap over and over again, sure you'll get results, but they'll kind of just eh, the they won't be as effective. So before Sean, I was working out with my friend Sal. He was doing uh, a lot of repetitions, a lot of a uh, little lower on the weight, more for cutting and leaning up, which is what I, which I'm going for anyway. But uh, Sean decided to put me in a different direction and make me lift as much as I possibly could, including my own body weight. As big as I am, I'm you know 250 plus now, and I've I never incorporate pull-ups, like wide grip pull-ups when I work out my back. 
I still can't like touch my back. I can't reach my back if I have a scratch. Uh, it, it's very difficult <laughs> to do a couple things this this week. So Monday and Tuesday, I really hit the gym hard with them. And uh, Tuesday night, I attended my first Yankee game of the season, possibly my last. I, it's, it's not that it's too expensive. It's just, you know, it's hard to get up there. It's hard to get a big group. But if, hey, if there's a big tailgate coming, I'm there. Um, last night, I didn't vocalize it a lot on Facebook because I didn't want to. And I know how it looks to some people to, to try to uh, – I don't like I, I don't like turning myself into a fan or a mark or anything like that because obviously we're all fans at heart and I'm all I'm a, cl- a closet mark when it comes to some things. I was comped tickets last night to go to the TNA show in the Manhattan Center, so I went. And let me tell you something: those guys, if they continue to do what they're doing in New York, I think they can pull something out. I mean, it's weird. I I, I don't know. It's almost like it took me back. You know, it took me back. Like, the main event was the, the Hardys, the Dudleys, and the Wolves in a table match. And I'm like, wow, man, I haven't seen something like this since the Hardys and the Dudleys. And, you know, and I guess you could say the Wolves were edging Christian. You know what I mean? So it's like a a flashback almost. And, but it was awesome. I loved it. It was cool. It was very intimate. I was third row from the damn ring. So I'm sure my mug will be seen on TV if I was standing for any of it. Because it's a very intimate crowd. So there's not a lot of sitting going on. There's a lot of standing. Um, but it was fun. It was a good time. I went with uh, my friend Evan, my friend Frank, and another independent wrestler. Uh, his name is Eric, otherwise known as Chris Steeler, good friend of mine. Um, he He's pretty much the poster boy for the Warriors of Wrestling out in Staten Island. Um, so go check him out. Go follow him on all his media outlets. And I don't really know him by heart, so I can't really get into it. Um, yeah, so Yankee game on Tuesday, great game, 12 friggin' innings, so I had to sit there, I, I being the fan that I am, can't leave early, ever, just because I can't, um, 12 innings to lose, and they lost to a home run in the 12th, and we almost had it, Chase Headley came up and smacked the ball all the way to the wall in the bottom of the 12th, I really thought we had a shot there, but my big bugaboo right now is with the Yankees winning today, that's, that's two out of three against Detroit, you know, you win the Boston series. You got Cleveland coming up, which is another winnable series. So they're doing things. They're making moves. The New York Yankees are doing things. But look at the pitching staff and look at the, the lineup. You know, it's, it's depleted from what it was when the, you know, when the season started or, or the visions of last year. You know, you don't have your A-Rod pop in the lineup. I don't care how, how bad he is or how, how much I hate him, but there's no pop. There's no pop in the lineup to share up. My God. If there was a way to turn back time – to share would be off this team faster than I, I understand he's got a glove and it's great, but this man gets hurt more than anybody I've ever, ever seen. Like it's bad, man. Like he, and this was really set me over the edge the other day, Mark to was in the lineup and I'm listening to uh, the Michael K show on the way. I don't know where I was, but I listened to the Michael K show and they're saying that he was in the lineup and then he was taken out of the lineup for um, heat exhaustion. So, like, really? Heat exhaustion? Like, oh, my God. Like, you're making $20 million a year, man. No, fuck, Jesus. Anyway, big game tonight for me because I'm a crazy Dallas Cowboy fan. The Cowboys start their preseason tonight against the Chargers, and that's at 10 o'clock, so money timing right now where I can watch it after the show and grab some dinner and all that stuff. But, so that's that. It's my little rant. I don't really have a big rant this week because, again, I wanted to really turn this into a show based on, you know, listen, before, before it gets emotional way too fast, I, John was, was and is in my heart my best friend. I met this kid when I was 10 years old. 10 years, 10 years old, 1994. I step into the Ford's Clara Barton Baseball League, which is still standing to this day. And uh, I was a pitcher for the, uh, the Giants, not, not the New York Giants, not the stupid bad Giants, but the cool Giants out in San Francisco, the Orange Giants. So I'm, the, I'm on the Giants. He's on the Tigers. We crossed paths once or twice. It wasn't even a big deal. And I remember, listen, my short-term memory is probably the worst Thing you've ever ever like there's no way somebody can tell me something today and five minutes later they're like what did I just say and I'm like I, have, I got nothing <laughs> so my short-term memory is crap 
my long-term memory is like an elephant. I remember every detail to everything. None of what you're about to hear is made up. None of it. And it's like, because I remember everything so specific. And maybe that's John kind of working his magic, you know, to me, like saying, you know, don't forget this. Don't forget that. So, and I haven't. So we met in 94. We're on different teams. So we, we don't really have any interaction. 1995, a little redraft it happens, I guess, what you could do to an 11-year-old kid is say, you're not with the team anymore. You've been traded. So that, that's boost of the ego. Um, I was traded to the Phillies, okay, the, the, the little red team. I kept my number, number 14. And first day of practice, I see this kid. And I'm like, oh, I've seen this kid before. And it's John. John is now number eight on the Phillies. And I'm like, ah, okay, he's my teammate. Cool. I'll meet him eventually. I mean, I'm an 11-year-old kid. I'm outgoing. I'll be able to talk to him whenever. So I'm a pitcher. Turns out, what position does John play? He's a catcher. So now we got to be on the same page. At 11, 12 years old, yeah, you would think that it's not as competitive as it is, but it is. It really is. Like back then, I remember coming in second place one season, and I was just a freaking mess. <laughs> so, And I wasn't one of those guys, like back in the day, like when you were in T-ball or something like that, and you said like, oh, you know, who won, coach? Like, oh, guys, great job. It was a tie. I'm that kid that's on the other end of the bench, like punching shit, saying, you know what? It wasn't a tie. We lost 14 to four or something like that. And I'm just making all the kids just as upset as they possibly can. Like, wait, I thought it was a tie. Like, no ties in baseball. So, so yeah. So, long story short, me and John, pitcher and catcher. Um, so, we just kind of became friends just by that. So, that's when it started as far as us hanging out. I used to go to his house. There wasn't, like, and this is a true story, there wasn't a weekend where we weren't all of a sudden, we just clicked, and we weren't spending a weekend away from each other. We were always either I was over at his house for weekends at a time, or he was over my house for weekends at a time. That we we have this little, and I guarantee if I went over to his house right now, there's still a little, unless they painted it, <laughs> but there was like a square strike zone on a gated fence at his house, and he would squat right in front of that. And I would pitch him the ball, and we would just practice for hours and hours and hours. His dad would come out there, give us critiques. Uh, you know, big hammerhead, Eddie, love you to death. And I, and I saw him not too long ago at the pizza place. Shocker, I was at a pizza place, and I saw him. Uh, it was great to see him. So anyway, we would practice day in and day out until the sun went down. Even we put the spotlight on the side of the house just to see. You know, and we're kids still, so we're pretending we're in the majors. You know, I'm, I'm the the number one pitcher for the team. And he wouldn't settle on the Yankees. He hated the Yankees. John was not a Yankees fan. I was a Yankees fan. He was, and you don't find too many of these anymore. Uh, he was a Seattle Mariners fan. He was a big, big, big Ken Griffey Jr. fan. So between him liking the Mariners, me liking the Yankees, we mutually agreed to be, I think, the Expos a couple times just because they're not like they're the NL. Nobody gives a shit about the Expos. So that's what team will be. So I used to pitch as hard as I threw, and then at the time it was probably around 30, 40 miles an hour. And John would claim that it was the fastest pitch he's ever seen in his life, and he would boost my ego just a little bit. And uh, he renamed my fastball the Dave Express, which was named after John's father's favorite player, Nolan Ryan, the Ryan Express. So that, again, long story short, that's our baseball start. Okay, but quick story about a baseball game that I remember. We're playing the Yankees, and, and the Yankees, in, for whatever reason, in the Forge Clara Barton League, were always, believe it or not, there was politics in Little League Baseball. <laughs> so all the best kids were stacked onto one team every year. I don't give a shit who you are, and if you're listening to this and you played baseball in, in, in a, a Pop Warner kind of league where it's just like an intimate league, there's always that one team that's like, how the frick did they get all those guys? So I'm out there, and I'm pitching against the best team in the league. And I think I was around. It was probably our second season with the Phillies, so I'm 13 at the time. And I'm, I'm getting lit up. I'm talking every guy is hitting the ball, like soaring them over my head into the outfield. We're getting run up to score. Guys that have never batted lefty that are righty were batting lefty and kicking my ass. I was getting – this is the worst game I've ever pitched, ever. And uh, – John, being John, he, listen, you'll, you'll know this right away, that he was a funny kid. He always wanted to make the light of every situation, no matter what. And just like any other catcher does for his pitcher, he tried to settle me down. So he runs out to the mound, 
and, and the coach was about to come out, and John actually waved the coach back, like, don't worry, coach, I'm just going just gonna to say something real quick, and we'll be fine. He comes up to me, and I'm like, I- I'm, wet- I'm just wiping the-, the sweat off my forehead. I'm like, I'm sorry, John. I was like, I can't. I'm just getting killed. I'm getting killed. And John says to me, and I swear it verbatim, says, we got a bigger problem here. And I'm like, well, what? I mean, I, I can't throw a curveball. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just throwing. He goes, no, 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 no. He goes, I just, I have, a, I have an issue. What do we do for lunch? Are we doing Elio's or are we doing bagel bites? Because I'm really, it's tearing me apart. And I just, I broke into a laugh. And I'm like, is this kid serious? Like, I'm getting torched, like, in, on the mound. And he's asking what we should have for lunch. So if Linda's listening for whatever reason, thank you for the bagel bites and the Elio's because I personally was a fat kid and I said I needed both. <laughs> so thank you. And then from there on, it was just Elio's and pizza bagel bites for the rest of my life until I finally decided to just weed myself off them somehow. It's like a strange addiction. But so that was that. But I, and lo and behold, I pitched a no hitter once in my life and it was one of my final games that I pitched in Ford's Clara Barton before we moved up to the whatever the hell the next division was. I did pitch a no-hitter. Uh, a no-hitter to the point where it, it's in Little League no-hitter. So it's, I was taken out after five innings, but I didn't give up a hit. You know, so, and John caught that game. So he, all, he caught my worst game, and he caught my best game. So, but John, yeah, that, that, was a, that was his thing. His thing was always to make light of every situation, and, and no matter how serious the situation got, uh, he would always try to turn it around, like just make the best of any situation. Going from his sleepovers to, you know, to, to watching Michael Myers movies until I was bleeding out of my eyes, basically, because we watched it until the sun came up. John was the kind of kid that can stay up all night and go to sleep at 7 in the morning. So I kind of think my buddy Evan is like the reincarnation of John, except mine is the booze. <laughs> so um, John was that kind of guy. So I would just stay up as long as I possibly could. Uh, and so I fall asleep and then wake up and then I'm like, shit, I guess I should go home because he's going to sleep till three in the afternoon. But sometimes I would sit there with his family in the morning while John slept and they'd make me bagels and uh, toast my bagels with a uh, little butter, which sounds tremendous as I speak and say this right now. So Linda made the, Linda made the best of everything. And I, I probably am giving a lot of credit, but I'm thinking to myself like, I mean, it was just a bagel, <laughs> but I'm thinking this is the greatest bagel I've ever had. Same thing with bagel bites and and uh, John's family is responsible for the first time I tried meat. And if you don't know me, you should know that I'm a vegetarian, technically, and I barely eat vegetables. But uh, I tried, um, what the hell was it, pepper steak. And that was Gigi, his grandmother, who made it. And I said, okay, fine, I'll try it. And I said, I, I didn't say I liked it. So they probably got that mistaken. But I said, it wasn't bad. So I guess that's like progress. So... So, yeah, the sleepovers were just uh, – for the first couple of years of our lives, it was just one of those things where we just couldn't be separated. Playing Frankie and, and Rob Dambola and basketball and Mark Rizzo and guys like that, we would lose every, every week. Every week we went out to play basketball. It was me and John versus Frankie and Mark, and uh, we would lose. We would get shattered. I mean, Frankie had this shot where it was just wasn't blockable. Uh, Rizzo was dribbling in between his legs like I, I didn't think it was possible. And it was funny because every time we saw them outside, we would, like, get the dry erase board and start drawing up plays. Like, this will work. If we do this, this will work. If you pass it to me under the hoop, it's going to work. These things are going to happen, I promise. We would scout these kids. We would scout them. We would stand in, in John's room with the window open and just look at these kids like, oh, okay, his jump shot from this side is worse than it is on this side. So maybe if we force him over here, he won't be able to make any shots. So I don't know if we ever beat him. I don't think so, to be completely honest. And, you know, if that doesn't make matters worse, we had a neighbor around this, the corner, uh, the first girl that I guess technically me and John fought over, but our really good friend Veronica, who otherwise known as Ronnie, uh, lived around this corner, and she outran us both. She was the quickest chick I've ever seen. She was a freak as a, as a child, a child athlete, kicking our ass in basketball and football, baseball. She was just well-rounded. And I just saw her for the first time in a long time uh, a couple weeks ago. So hello to her as well. Um, yeah, so that was our little, I guess, start of our friendship. And I guess his family adopted me as like another son. John grew up an only child technically because not technically because his sister Kristen was like, she's going to kill me if I get this wrong. 
I think she was 19 when he was 10. Nine years older? Maybe maybe more. Maybe 10 or 11. I don't know. I called her 29, even to this day. I know she's not 29, but she wouldn't get past 30 at one point. Um, the family adopted me as their own. And it, it was something really special because, I mean, obviously I was going through a transition period in my life where my dad and mom were, were divorced or getting divorced at the time and then what was happening. And so the transition was happening where I was in between two homes. Like I never had like a set, like not set family, but because obviously I had my dad and my mom. But I mean, like there was a lot of transitioning going on. So being around a, a family that was whole, and I'm talking a, a big family. I mean, the grandma was there all the time. Gigi was there all the time. Eddie and Linda, dad and mom, all there all the time. Kristen there all the time lived there. Um, then there was John. And then there's little Alex, his niece, who I just saw two weeks ago. You know what I mean? So I still, it's, it's great that I could still see these people and, and just, you know, want to hug them all the time and, and tell them I love them and stuff. Cause it's just, it doesn't get any easier and you think it would, but it doesn't. Um, yeah. So the family adopts me, huge, happy family. We go on all these, these, awesome awesome vacations like it's just it, it get better and better every year for the first year disney world i mean disney world man I, and I was at disney world when i was a kid but i don't remember it so this disney world i remember because we stayed at the espn zone so we're running around on the football field while we're all supposed to be looking for mickey we're throwing the football around because we needed to be around sports uh quick story about disney world is is my famous uh star wars ride where it was raining during the day so anybody that's attending the ride is obviously standing online. If you've ever been on the Star Wars ride, you'll know that it's like one. Of, it's just like any other ride where there's like a like a snake thing to uh, to get to the front of the line. So I'm walking to the front of the line. The line starts moving, and we're all like everybody's sneakers are kind of wet. The floor is wet. It's pouring outside, and this thing is kind of underneath, um, inside kind of deal. And uh, I'm running. I'm running because I'm excited. I want to get on the friggin' ride. And I slip, and I go head over heels, and I drop to the ground. I land straight on my back. So technically, my first bump, I was like 14 years old. So I, I land on my back, and I'm like, I'm hurt. It hurt like hell. So I start to get up, and Eddie, John's dad, says, don't get up. And I'm like, don't get up. Like, he's like, we can own this place. <laughs> so, and that's just – and then, of course, Eddie has his – story about me shutting down the living seas because I took a bad crap or something like that and jammed up the toilet. And then the, the living seas ride was shut down at the park. And he says it was all my fault. And I really took him serious. So I was like, I can't believe it. I'll never crap again. <laughs> so I know it's graphic. Sorry if anybody's chomping on any food while they're listening to this, but the trips got better, man. It was, it went from Disney world to, to Baltimore, which is, he took me down to Camden yards I got to see Cal Ripken play baseball. I got to see Ken Griffey Jr. play baseball. It was a Seattle and Baltimore series down there. And it, it was a great, great time. Uh, I loved it. Speaking, you know, transitioning baseball was uh, we went to Cooperstown, New York, the Baseball Hall of Fame. I've never been there, so I was taken by John's dad. And me, John, and, and his friend Ryan were there. And another just unbelievable, like what I saw that year, we went the year that Nolan Ryan got inducted. So obviously that was Eddie's doing because he that was his favorite player, so he wanted to see it. He's a big uh, what do you call it? starting lineups guy. Remember those figurines? He had about fifty thousand of them until me and John just started opening them up and trying to play with them and it would piss Eddie off. <laughs> so Cooperstown, another great trip. I would just they would countlessly just take me everywhere they went as if I was part of the family. So also as far as you know, everybody makes fun of Creed, and I posted a video not too long ago of me singing Creed as a joke, but Creed was my first concert. I, I know a lot of people are like, oh, you know, mine was really <laughs> a cool concert. Mine was Creed, man. That was my first concert with John, and I, and that's the, I was taken by, oh, damn, I'm gonna, Pam. Pam was the neighbor. She took us, and I didn't know how to act or dance at a concert, so I'm just kind of bobbing my head to Creed. But, like, the Creed music just kind of stuck with me. I'm like, oh, these guys are really good. I mean, did I know that every other song was about God and all that shit? No, I didn't know any of that. I didn't know any better. I just thought, like, this is rock and roll. Like, not Metallica. Nah, Creed. So, as funny as we all make fun of it, Creed is one of my favorite bands. And I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. So, screw all you Creed haters out there. But um, so going forward, 
there's a there's a reason behind all this wrestling that I'm doing. There's a reason behind the fact that I got into this. Uh, I got into it now just a little over two years ago, and basically what I'm it all started on on a trampoline. Like it starts for most people. I mean it, it's it's as easy as that. Okay, trampoline backyard wrestling was the thing when we were growing up. It still is a thing for some people. You know, like UWA Elite still does backyard wrestling. <laughs> I'm totally fucking kidding, sort of. Um, <laughs> so I'm not shooting on them. It's, they're doing their thing. Good for them. Um, but backyard wrestling was the thing. And obviously nothing hurt because you're on a trampoline. But some of my greatest matches were on a trampoline with John and my brother. My brother was the tackling dummy, okay? My brother at the time was 80 pounds. So I was able to be anybody I wanted to be and just throw his ass around like nobody's business. Same thing with John. We, we hit our first uh, 3D on my brother. Um, we would, it, I'm telling you, the backyard wrestling, we took it to a whole new level. Like we, we, I wrote my own magazine for our little federation. I wrote a magazine. I started a website off the most, if anybody remembers, Angel Fire. <laughs> that was the website um, gimmick. Uh, whatchamacallit. Yeah, so we started there. Uh, we had some awesome, awesome mat. One time, it, it rained. It was pouring. Not lightning, just pouring. So me and my brother and John are out there on the trampoline, and we will continue to tell each other at the, at the time and even going forward that that was the greatest match we ever had. It was raining. Uh, every time you hit the mat, it would splash. It was just a cool a cool thing, you know? Like, Danny, uh, if I had to remember when you first start, when you first start, you're imitating everybody else. John was his favorite wrestler, Savio Vega, which, again, what the hell is your moveset? I don't know. Savio Vega did not a lot of shit. I mean, he was, he was over as a character. He did the, like, John, I think, had a convincing Puerto Rican look to him. He was always tan. He had a year-round tan. Look at his family, for Christ's sake. Linda's always tan. Gigi's got a year-round tan. His grandmother. Everybody was always tan. Alex is tan now. You know what I mean? Like, it's in the, it's in the blood. So he had this Puerto Rican look, so maybe that's why he thought he could do the old uh, Savio thing. But when he wanted to get hardcore, he would either be just incredible or New Jack. Which, when I met New Jack, I, that was the first thing. And it's very hard to approach New Jack. He's very hard to approach. But when I did approach him, when I first met him, I told him the story about John. And he's like, that's cool, motherfucker. <laughs> that's cool, motherfucker. That's what I got out of New Jack about John. So, John, I know you're listening. He thinks you're cool, motherfucker. <laughs> All right? So that's New Jack. Um, yeah, so that was one of the greatest matches. I was, for that match, who the fuck was I? I was, uh, I was, probably, I was probably Shawn Michaels, but then again, I knew I wasn't going to win the match, so I probably didn't want to make Shawn look bad, so I was probably somebody else. My brother was Jeff Hardy. No shit. He just always like to jump around shit. We let Danny win. We let Danny win this match. Looking back, would I have booked it different? Yeah, I would have won, <laughs> but I won't book it different. I'll give Danny to win. But it expanded. We went down, and uh, the street – this is, this is where it gets weird. The street I live on right now is the same street we used to walk down to go to my friend KC's house. KC, another trampoline backyard wrestling guy, we invaded, quote, invaded his trampoline little federation thing, and uh, we, um, we, we did our thing there. You know, so it was cool, man. It was like – I went to SummerSlam 1997. He went to SummerSlam 1998. He obviously got the better show, I think. Well, I mean, like, if you measure it out, we both had equal shows. But we always tried to always one-up each other. Always going down the shore. I mean, we always got taken by Kristen down the seaside or Point Pleasant or one of the boardwalks where we try to compete with each other. I posted one of my – these pictures that Alex sent me the other day were just so money. Like, it's me and John throwing side-by-side looking, you know, looking to get a prize. I'm sure at the, at the time we were just trying to win a prize for Alex or she would cry. So that's what we tried to do. Um, yeah, so that was that. But I, there's something about the kid that when we were doing the whole wrestling thing, there would be countless times we're laying up late at night or, or laying on the trampoline when it's pitch black and all you see is stars. There would be a million times we tell each other, no matter what, we're, we're going to become real wrestlers. And we're going to win the tag team championship. That was, that was it. That was our goal, man. And as far-fetched as it is as a kid, when you think about this, 
when we were getting older, I wasn't in good shape. John was always, I think if, and it's, I'm not bashful to say, I think John was always more of the better athlete than me, um, just because of, of his size. He was a tall kid. Um, he, was, he weighed less than me. I was like a fat kid growing up. Still am a fat kid growing up, but whatever. Um, he, uh, he was a better athlete than me. So, like, we always thought, like, okay, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. But as, like, years went on when wrestling was getting into this new era, you know, it's funny because I can remember watching certain episodes of, uh, of Raw at his house. I watched the Eric Bischoff-McMahon episode when Bischoff was announced. I was at his house, and we watched that shit together. And we're like, how did this – how is this happening? As, you know, little Mark boys that we were. So as time went on, you know, I always, I'm a straight shooter, okay? He made some decisions in, in later in his life. As, we get, as we're getting older, we, we didn't drift apart. We just, we went to high school. In high school, you're going to get separated a little bit. He started off at Bishop R. I think if that's the right, or maybe it was the other way around. He started with Woodbridge and then finished Bishop R. Um. He started. He, he was in high school with me, and we we shared one class together, and that was Mr. Sweetex's uh, creative writing class. So we were in that class together. So to think, like we started when we were twelve or eight or nine or whatever the hell we were, and we go all the way until we're in high school. So we start drifting apart. He starts liking a couple different things. I start liking a couple different things. Like you know, we always had that common bond of professional wrestling and, and sports. Like we didn't know, we didn't like any of the same teams except for the Knicks. And uh, so he was a big 49ers fan. Later in his life, he, was, he started to transition over to Oakland. I don't know where or why that happened. But, um, yeah, so he – and hockey, I guess he was a big hockey fan. He was a Devils fan. I know that for a fact. I mean, but he wasn't as big of uh, – as a hockey fan as he was the other fan. Um, so we always had sports to fall back on, always. And later in life – he made a couple decisions, and I'm not going to get into totally specifics, but they were frowned upon, okay, by a lot of people, including myself when I first caught wind or first, you know, you know, a shock theory or a shock moment. I'm not again. I'm not going to sit there and, and try to tell or explain what exactly happened, but. It was a lifestyle change, man, and it was, and it was hard for me at first to adapt, and I said, okay, you know, it is what it is, you know, like, what am I, what am I going to do? I'm his best friend. If anybody's going to stick by this kid's side, no matter what decision he makes, it's me, and um, so I did to an extent, I, I regret, I regret a lot. Uh, I don't like living with regret, but I do regret not being there for him as much as I possibly could have down the stretch because I think if I was in his ear a little more maybe something could have changed I don't know and I can't I'm not going to sit there and try to be like well if I did this different this would be different and he'd still be alive I'm not going to go down that road because everything happens for a reason um, and then you know things happen I get hired by the New York Giants in 2007 so now seven years ago and what had happened was I'm laying in bed and my dog at the time, Bandit, was actually, yeah, no, it was Apollo, Apollo, my, my boxer. He was a puppy, though. He was, like, brand new to us. So Apollo, I'm sleeping. It's 2 in the morning. It's the night before I'm supposed to leave for Albany, New York, for Giants training camp. And Apollo, who never comes down to my room, ever, he just never, decided, I don't know, I was in the basement, so, like, he just didn't feel like going down. And he made it down to the basement and starts scratching on my door. Wakes me up. I remember, I, at this time, I had my phone on silent. I can't be bothered. I have the biggest day of my life the next day. And, um, no, it's not, it wasn't the first day. It was, it was the first day I was supposed to go to Albany. At first, I, was, I started with the Giants in July, but, like, the first big, big day, big moving day to Albany where I would bunk up with the players and shit. So I, I'm sitting there, and uh, Apollo grabs uh, – and scratching on my door. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like this freaking dog never comes down here. Like, what the hell? Open up the door. Apollo jumps right on my bed. He, he never cuddles with me. Like, nobody wants to sleep with me, you know? So he, and I'm like, all right, buddy, you want to you hang out with me? Give me some luck? Cool. So out of just because I don't know what time it is at the time, and I look at my phone, I got two missed calls from his sister, Kristen. 
Now, truth be told, I love Kristen to death, and I always had a crush on her growing up. She promised me as soon as I turned legal that things could happen. <laughs> so I'm 21 at the time, and I'm like, I see two missed calls from Kristen. I'm like, oh, oh shit, you're, this is it. You talk about a good night. Here it is. So I call her back, and that's when my world just kind of got turned upside down. And she told me that John was gone, that he had passed away in his sleep in the living room, in the same living room that I spent over a decade in, and he passed away. I'm not going to get into specifics about how he passed away. John passed away in the comfort of his own home um, on August 5th, 2007. Now, to me, that'll, that'll really, it's your best friend. And like, I have a lot of best, like quote, best friends now, you know, the guy I live with, Greg, my best friend, Tommy, the guy I go to all the games and drink with, that's my best friend. But John was just a little more. I was closer with John growing up than I was with my brother, my own blood brother. You know, obviously me and Danny are close now because we're older. We're both going through some awesome changes in our lives, you know. So I uh, he passes away. My my world kind of just flips. And if you're trying to call, I will take your call in a couple minutes. I just want to finish all this up. Um, he passes away. My world kind of just, eh, like, I, I didn't know what to do with myself. So obviously... You know, the family knowing that I knew John almost better than anybody else tells me that I'm going to be the guy to send him off. I'm going to be the guy to, to stand in front of a big crowded room in front of all his loved ones um, and, and say his eulogy. So I did that. I wish I had a copy of it. I, I couldn't tell you what happened to it. I'd read the whole thing right now. But what I'm doing is basically uh, I'm giving you more of a description of what kind of kid this kid was. He was passionate. He was loving. He loved his niece more than anything else in the world. That girl was never going to have a boyfriend, <laughs> ever. Not with Uncle Dave and, and, jo- and Uncle John there. Not even a chance. So now it still pains me to this day when I see her with a boyfriend or something, and she's like, oh, and if, if a guy puts her in a bad mood, I want to break his neck. <laughs> Uncle Dave wants to snap a neck. So uh, John was the kind of kid that, again, I, I can't say enough about him. He always made light of everything he just never took anything serious there was a couple things that were serious that had to be you know like his schoolwork and this and that and his jobs and like you know whatever he did in life but when it came to me and him it was just too too easy to be too funny you know um that year you know after seeing his uh saying his usual eulogy and seeing a couple people that i haven't seen in a long time i i kind of made it my responsibility for the rest of my life, for the raw, as long as I'm living and my heart's beating, no matter what I do in life, to remember him as much as I could, to share his memory, to make sure nobody forgets him that knew him. Um, and, and that's what I do every year, every year the same day. You know, uh, I'll do as much as I possibly can to keep people from scrolling through their little social media feeds seeing a picture of this big-eared, <laughs> goofy-looking smile of John's and say, oh, yeah, I remember that kid. I remember this, and I remember that. And then maybe one day we'll come up with a, a story of their own and say, okay, this, okay, that. And, uh, people shared their stories on my Facebook. You know, uh, our, our friend Kayla texted me saying, you know, like, I can't believe it. Kayla was another one of those girls that me and, me and John, like towards the end, were a little fight, little riffs. Little riffs over her. We both were like, ah, we li- I like her a little more. And then Chris, <laughs> our her friend Kristen, this is the weirdest thing you'll ever hear. But me, I was dating Kristen. He was dating Kayla. One day we we're like, you know what? <laughs> and this is before it got into a trend, and not everybody, anybody else liked to do it. We swapped. <laughs> we swapped girlfriends. I was like, you know what? Maybe I should date Kayla, and you should date Kristen. So that's what we did. So <laughs> that's that's how it went. But it's just, again, that's another moment that we just took not so serious. He was, his friends, like, I always just want to keep everybody in the loop of what this kid meant to everybody. 
you know, then that year of his passing, he passed in August. In December, around Christmas time, Kristen gave me something that I'll never get rid of, ever. And it was your typical but awesome replica, uh, replica Ric Flair WCW championship belt. And this thing is the real deal. It's gold-plated, like little gemstones and stuff. It was the real deal. She got it, I think, when she went to Vegas. She brought it home for John. She said, "This is the, we want to give this to you, you know, as like a, uh, you know, a way to remember him." You guys got to hold on. Now I'm fine. Finally getting choked up. Take a swig. Sorry, of water, of water. I'm not like boozy. I'm not like drowning my sorrows here. Um, so, so I got the championship belt, the one belt I wanted my whole friendship with John, and I said that that's so cool. John, listen, to be honest, and he'll he'll tell you right now if he was here, he'd say I was spo- he was spoiled to shit. Eddie and Linda spoiled the shit out of John. So did Kristen. They always gave him something, a new present, a new toy. There was no Toys R Us trip without a new wrestler figure. It was just one of those things where, um, you know, I don't know. It's just weird. I'm like, oh, I'm getting all friggin' stupid and teary-eyed and shit. Uh, you know, it, it, it's great that I keep the memory alive. So after that, I, I decided, you know what, it's time to buckle down and it's time to get in shape. Why not? Let's try it. Let's try this wrestling thing. So I went to a show, and you know that story from listening to my first podcast. I went to one show. I was hooked, and I said, you know what? I want to do this. I'm going to do this for both of us because this was both of our dreams. I'm going to live it out. So I did. His name, is, is his initials are stitched into my gloves, um, and I love you, man. I, I, there's, there's so much more I could say, but just in case these calls are for you, I want to make sure I get to them. Um, and if they're not, they're not. It's cool. If they're not, I'll just hang up. But uh, somebody that's just been holding up the 201-787 number, you're on with Dave Destruction. Who's this? Hey, Dave. It's Summer. Hey, Summer. What's going on? Nothing much. Just listened to the radio. Just came back home from work. <laughs> nice. Very nice. Very nice. Just calling in to say uh, say hey. I think it's you're, you're doing a great job, and I think it's I think it's, that it's great you're doing you're dedicating to your best friend who passed for seven years. I think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I mean, I did something. I I did something too. Like, if God willing, if one of my brothers or sisters passed away, I would do something on the radio yeah. as well. So, I just wanted yeah. to call in today. How you doing? How you feeling? Everything's great, Summer. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm going to grab a couple more of these calls, but definitely uh, keep in touch. And uh, thank you again. I appreciate it. All right, all right, all right, man. Later, Take Summer. care. Bye. That's Summer, one of my uh, good, fa- uh, big fan. Uh, so we got a seven three two seven eight eight number. This is Dave Destruction. Who do I got? You know who this is. Oh, what's up, JP? What's going on, brother? Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I- I've been listening to the last um, fifteen minutes, and what you said was moving, and I, if you got a quick minute, I have a small story to share. Sure, go, ahead. go for it. Night after Supercard, at, we leave the bar, we head home, I go to bed. I wake up the next morning, I found out a friend of mine had passed away, very unexpectedly. I had just seen him that Monday. He had picked me up from the bus stop, I hadn't seen him in a while, so we got the bullshit and we said we were going to get together soon and play some poker and whatever. And then I look on my Facebook when I wake up, and I see that he died. And I was just stunned. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, man. I mean, once you you see the world just kind of flash before you, and you don't know how to react or how to... uh, It's just weird, man. You know, it's like one of those things where he was was there for a second, and then the next second he's gone, and it's just really hard to, really, really hard to, like, really cope with it. And, again, it's just seven years now, man. Like, you can imagine how it was the first year, but now it's seven years later. Seven years later, I'm just still as beat up as anybody else. And I didn't want to make this, like, a a totally sad story. I wanted to share a lot of fun. You know, this this kid, it was 
it was a lot of fun, and I'm going to put you on mute just to finish up, but um, thanks for the call. Right, sure, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, buddy. Um, yeah, I mean, he was just a lot of fun, you know, and, and I started this wrestling thing and this journey, and I swear to anybody, um, you know, once I started the training, you know, I, some of the shit, and, and it's funny because I was just at the training school tonight, and I, and I said hello to a bunch of guys and said hello to Pat and picked up a pretty sweet uh, Create a Pro tank top, which is obviously Pat and Brian Myers' school up in New York. Um, so anyway, so I said what's up to them, and I remember since we're back at the rec center now, it's, it's, it's even more the memory of when times were tough during some of the drills. Um, it was – I looked up. I looked not just up to, like, you know, how you score a touchdown, you kind of point up, like, thanks, God. But, like, through the window. There's, like, a windows in the rec center where you could see out. So I didn't look just look up. I looked out and into the sky. Into either it was nightfall or a little in the daytime. And I would always just look and just get that extra something. And it wasn't, it wasn't just John. It was, it, was, it was my grandma, too, who had just passed prior to that. You know, like, so it was just all this, this energy would just keep me going. And once I got, like, obviously the things were happening, I want, my goal was to become a tag team champion. And no matter who my partner was, the, both those belts were coming home with me, you know, for at least one night. And just to show John, like, this is, this is yours and this one's mine. You know, like, I told you we would do it. We did it. And I want to do it to this day still. So I, I think I'm in a good standing. I got a great tag team partner. He's a monster. You know, the big O is one of my dudes. He talks to me all the time. You know, and if it's not him, it's somebody else. Whatever. It was Gibbs. It was Damian Gibbs at one point. That's another that's another crazy story. Yeah. It's so funny. As I started training, uh there was there was the original twelve, you know. And I always preach about the, the first class, which now there's about friggin' forty five, fifty kids. But I remember the first couple nights in the ring. We were doing a drill where it was uh, somebody would have to win. It wasn't necessarily a match drill, but the pins would happen. Like there would be a, maybe it was even a pinning drill. I don't know. I forget a little bit. But this kid, little, little Spanish kid, came in, started wrestling around with me. I didn't know who he was. He was brand new. So he goes up to I, I introduce myself. I say my name is Dave, and he comes up to his and he says my name is. Uh, uh, what's it called, Joel? I said, "Oh, okay." It's either Joel or Joel or Jose. Maybe it was Jose. But anyway, I'm an idiot for not knowing that. But anyway, Jose. Anyway, but his middle name was uh, D. Something with a D. He's like, you know, what's probably easier. And he, he shakes my hand and he says to me, "It's probably easier if you just call me JD." And my mind and heart just almost exploded. I was like, wait a minute. Like, this is my third week in wrestling. And you're telling me I'm about to wrestle with a kid that wants me to call him JD? That's all me and John. That's all me and his family called John. JD. That was him. So, like, when the pin drill happened, I let JD pin me and beat me. And I looked up in the sky. And, like, I'm a, I don't know. Listen, none of this is fake. I'm telling you right now. Like, I did these things. Like, I looked up into the sky and I said, you got me one time. That's the last time you'll ever do it. You know, like as if I was talking to John or uh, or somebody else. You know, I was just talking to him directly. So, you know, sometimes it gets harder and harder to, to talk about it. Because yeah, this is the first time I've, um, whatchamacallit, this is the first time that I've done this in, in a long time. Is talk this much to this extent about him. And um, which I'm calling. Just uh, give me two seconds here, answering a text because they want to get it out the way. Um, yeah. So anyway, so uh, yeah. So the whole wrestling thing. I mean, it just it inspired me to keep pushing, and it's it's been seven years, and I know it's supposed to get easier, but it doesn't. But every little thing, every little hiccup in my life. And and this goes to to show you about what just happened to me recently. You know, I'm taking and this is a this simple explanation for anybody who knows the business or knows wrestling enough. All I did was take a headlock takeover, which was one of the most basic things I was taking since day one. 
and pop, there goes the ACL. It's, it's, and then you think it's all history. You think it's all done. You think it's just one of those things. Um, you know, one of those things that, you know, it just it happens. You know, I can't. Which It's just one of those things that you just can't face by yourself. You know, like you're like, okay, this just happened, and what am I gonna do? You know, like, but I knew that no matter how hard the situations were gonna present themselves, that it was one of those things that I will get through this, and I will muscle through this as much as I possibly can. And I've been busting my ass in the gym and in rehab and all that stuff. And uh, what you call? It's just one of those things where you're not going to stop fighting, no matter what. And and that's why I, I I preached positivity to people. And this is no bullshit, man. This is no no act. You know, there's no. This is my character. I'll just be Mr. Positive. I'm not Bo Dallas. Like that's not my character. You know. So knowing that I can push through this and knowing that I can fight through this, it's John. John is behind me the whole way. He's inspiring me. He's, He's making sure that I get through this mentally, physically, um, just internally, you know, like just making sure that my heart stays in this. And as much as people think that, you know, my close family and close friends are, probably still thinking that once recovery is, is, is over and I'm cleared um, that it'll be done anyway. Like I'm done wrestling and it'll never happen again. And I'll never, I'll never step foot in the ring again. And, and a lot of people have told me that. And I think, I honestly think some people believe that, which is fine. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with whatever you want to believe in. Okay. But in my mind, I understand wrestling isn't wins and losses. Okay. I get it, okay? My last match was against Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and I lost. But it was the coolest moment of my career. My father had asked me, you know, isn't that, isn't that, shouldn't that be enough? You know, isn't that the high note you might want to go out on? You wrestle the Hall of Famer. Part of me says, yeah, man, shit. It's only been two years, but I can call it now and say, hey, it's, this is it. You know, like, I, I made it. I feel like this. I made it in my in my eyes. Do I have a, a WWE contract in my hand? No. But for me, it could have been, I could call it quits. I could say I got to get focused on everything else, which I am. I'm not going to lose focus. I got to get a job. I got to get, I, I want to get married. I want to get, I want to have kids. I want to have all that shit. Okay. That shit. <laughs> that shit. Like, it's not a big deal. Um, but I just think, uh, there's a little left in the tank. And I think that there's more to prove. And I think that I don't want to call it quits. And I think if John were to see me now, he'd tell me not to quit. And it is what it is. John, I know you're watching, and I know you're looking down on me, and I know that you're not going to let me quit. You're not going to let me have this ACL injury be the end of this dream that I'm living for both of us. I don't give a shit if I wrestle just one more match. All I want to do is burrow through this recovery, get my ass back in shape, ring shape, and and really do something special with a comeback. Whether it be one match, whether it be a couple, whether it be one run-in, whatever it is. There's going to be one more time where the music plays and I'm going to come out and I'm going to kick the shit at whoever's in my way and the crowd's going to roar or boo or whatever they do. I just want the reaction and I want to be able to go back into the locker room, look up at John and say, I just battled through this whole ACL ordeal. I'm back in the ring and I did it again. Do I see these tag belts coming home anytime soon? Who knows, man? I don't know. The masterminds and the powers that be, they have a plan for everything. And I'm a firm believer in that plan. You know, PWS has a serious, serious amount of steam going into the next couple shows. So, with that being said, I knew I just got a a text or a message on Facebook. 201 number, you're on with Dave Destruction on Thursday Night Destruction. Who do I got? Dave, you got the Shining Wizards, my brother, Kevin and Tony. 
Kevin and Tony, my newfound friends on the podcast world. Again, I did this in the beginning of the show. You probably weren't listening, but I thanked you guys up and down. Thank you so much for this extra forum and an extra way to reach out to a couple new fans. Dude, it's totally our pleasure. It was uh, a unanimous vote. No one honestly could have uh, wanted this more than, than us. Uh, you do a great job uh, on your show. We love it, and uh, we're happy to have you. And I think this uh, show you're doing tonight specifically is really cool. And uh, we just wanted to, to come in and say hi. What's going on? What's up, Tony? Hey, Dave, what's going on? Long time no speak, my friend. I know, man. What's going on? I'm just curious. Did JP call in tonight? He did fucking call in tonight. <laughs> he always <laughs> called it. No matter, no matter what. I mean, I, th- I, I probably didn't say it on my uh, Facebook thing. I probably didn't say, like, I'm not taking calls, but I probably didn't say that. So, obviously, JP being JP calls in. That's great. And that's, that's cool, man. I, I bust balls. But, like, he actually had a nice story to, to share with me as, as I'm sharing all the stories and whatnot. So, he's a, he always means well. Love that. Uh oh. Oh, Dave, did we lose you? No, I'm here, man. Dave. Oh, oh yeah. Holy cow. We, we just had a heart attack. Yeah. See, Kevin <laughs> and I did a show together last week, and uh, we, we we were gold for about an hour and forty minutes, and then Matt called in, and the show kind of like went to shit. And I know Matt's gonna get pissed that he's hearing that, but uh, <laughs> we were afraid it was gonna happen tonight. We just looked at each other like, oh no. I, we, we were just talking before, like, because we had to fill like five minutes while we were trying to pull up the technology to call you. <laughs> so like, we had nothing. So, like the first hour and a half of the show is probably going to be a lot of fun, but people are going to like, it's going to be like raw. The rating's going to drop. <laughs> like, well, nobody like, wants to see Stephanie in her fucking Kofi tits. <laughs> oh my God. Dude. <laughs> hey, you know what? And I know I tried to go one direction with this show and it's fine, but dude, what's up? You see, obviously you saw the Del Rio stuff. What the hell's that all about? He yeah. apparently was annoyed that they stopped serving tacos on Tuesday for the SmackDown <laughs> tape. <laughs> you are such a dick. the chalupas anymore on Tuesday. Oh, man. That, that, that's rough. We have Mexican uh, uh, impressions at the beginning of our show. So, yeah. <laughs> this whole show is inappropriate. But, wow. Uh, yeah, man. Um, hey, uh, we're going we're gonna to get out of here. We just wanted to stop in All and... Right. Uh, well, and welcome you, welcome you aboard. I, and uh, again, uh, hope you had a had a great show, brother. I appreciate that, guys. I'll talk soon. Dave, be well, man. You too, Tony. All right. Well, that was my two brothers over at uh, the Shining Wizards. Um, again, that's the new network I'm on, which is great. They're giving me an opportunity to branch out a little bit uh, with. Um, with more fans, so more of you people can actually listen to me. So before I wrap this up, there's a couple things that I want to say to John. And I, if John, if there, listen, if there is a way that he listens, and there's a way that things are, I, I'm not religious. I mean, I'm religious. I'm Catholic or whatever. But I'm saying like I'm not like spiritually like what happens when it's all over kind of deal. I'm not gonna get into that shit. But there's a couple clips I want to play real quick, just because I downloaded them and I never, I don't think I played them a lot. But John, this this clip's for you. That sucks, dudes, and I'm telling you, it's jobs. We gotta get jobs. Then we get the khakis. Then we get the chicks. <laughs> so, that that clip right there is from Basketball, the movie Basketball. It was me and John's favorite movie. Truth be told, he let me borrow it. I never gave it back. I own it, <laughs> so it's mine. And then we did the happy dance, always. Doing the happy dance? Doing the happy dance? <laughs> so, and of course, this one. Maybe not. Maybe it won't play. But anyway, regardless of how it is, um, I'm glad I got to do all this for him. It's all that good stuff. Um, can't say that you know it gets easier. And uh, that's really it, man. So for all his family and his friends that actually tuned in tonight, if you tune in later, doesn't matter when you do it. Um, I appreciate you guys. I love all you guys. I, I thank you for everything that the Downey family has done for me over the years. Um, and I will continue, continue, continue to keep this kid's memory alive. And uh, with that, I'll just say, I love you, John. Thank you so much for everything that you, you've been pushing me through. And uh, yeah, I'll play your song before it was mine, brother. Thanks a lot. <laughs>
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.